This excursion in history is based on the story of men and women who with determination will make for themselves an empire, create a legend, and set the example for all men of courage to follow for the rest of time. This is the story of those who settled in the Southwestern Territory and who will fight for the right to live as free people. This is the story of the Lone Star Republic of Texas. Let us go back to the year 1821. Mexico, after centuries, has overthrown the Spanish yoke and has become independent. Mexico had perhaps one of the greatest empires in the Western Hemisphere. She extended from the Yucatan Peninsula to the 42nd parallel, from the Pacific Ocean to the Louisiana Purchase. Indeed, she had a great empire, but for the most part, all was undeveloped. In the remote region called Texas, there were only a few persons living. So, what would Mexico do with her vast territory? Mexico's first ruler was Augustine Itterbay. He referred to himself as Augustine I. It was to this emperor of Mexico that an American by the name of Moses Austin would write a letter. In his letter, Austin asked if it would be possible for him and other American settlers to come and settle down in Mexico in the territory called Texas. Augustine, for the most part, was more than willing to have the people come and settle in this vacant region. Not only would they develop the region, but they would bring in tax revenues to Mexico City as well. Yes, indeed, it was more than all right. So permission was granted, and Moses Austin began gathering families together who would brave the journey and the wilderness for the free land. This indeed demands courage, for to move to Texas would mean that the people would have to rely on their own skills to make a go of it. They would have to give up what they already had for some unknown dream. Moses Austin never lived to see what he had planned for come true, for he suddenly died. His son, Stephen Austin, however, carried on the work, and in 1824, he arrived in Texas with some 200 families. Now in their new land of enchantment, these people of tenacity set about building their new homes and establishing themselves in their new environment. Things were fine, and life went on as usual, and the people enjoyed their newfound paradise. But all was not to remain that way. In 1835, a new and powerful dictator took control of an unstable Mexican government. His name was Santa Ana, and he became most alarmed by the fact that Americans in Texas by 1835 now outnumbered Mexican Texans almost four to one. 
So Santa Ana's government abandoned the policy of granting land to aliens and declared invalid many grants already in existence. These actions irritated the Americans greatly, and when Stephen Austin tried to straighten things out, he was arrested. The arrest of Austin by Santa Ana marked the beginning of the gradual collapse of friendship between the Americans in Texas and Mexico. And as can be expected, as things worsened, a war party developed. With a rebellion breaking out against him in Texas, Santa Ana knew he must crush it before it got organized. So he headed north into Texas with an army of some 5,000 men. His first point of contact with the Texans was an old fortified mission called the Alamo. Here some 187 Texans stood defiantly against Santa Ana's mighty Mexican army. To declare independence was one thing, to win it was quite another, as the Texans would soon discover in the next trouble months ahead. By February 25, 1836, the Mexican forces were camped before the gates of the Alamo. The defenders realized that they could never hope to triumph over such overwhelming odds, but they had a goal to achieve. They knew it was their job to hold the Mexican armies under Santa Ana there as long as they could. This would give the rest of Texas a chance to organize an army to combat him. They were indeed resolute. So unfaltering was their defiant attitude that one can only sympathize with them. Their commander was a man by the name of William Barrett Travis. And so, the siege of the Alamo began. One of the last pieces of correspondence to come out of the Alamo was this message from Travis. To the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, fellow citizens and compatriots, I am besieged by a thousand or more of the Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continued bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrisons are to be put to the sword if the fort is taken. I have answered the demand with a cannon shot, and our flag still waves proudly from the walls. I shall never surrender or retreat. Then I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. The enemy is receiving reinforcements daily and will no doubt increase to three or four thousand in four or five days. If this call is neglected, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his own honor and that of his country. Victory or death. On the 1st of March, 1836, a little band of heroic men cut their way through the Mexican lines and brought Travis their reinforcements. Little did these 32 men know that this would become their tomb.
Then on the thirteenth day of battle, the heroism came to an end. On that gray dawn of Sunday, March the 6th, 1836, 187 Americans would fight to the death against an overwhelming Mexican force that outnumbered them 16 to 1. Before the assault that day, Santa Ana told his generals, Know you that in this war there are no prisoners. In other words, every man was to be put to death. No quarter would be given. And so it would become history that the Greeks at the Battle of Thermopylae would have a messenger to tell of the fate of their defeated armies, but the Texans would have none. Not one Texan would survive the storming of the Alamo. The defiant ones held off attack after attack. Twice they had beaten back the Mexicans, but gradually the ammunition ran out. The Texans nevertheless continued fighting, fighting, fighting with anything they could. They fought with rifle butts, knives, clubs, until by noon, the last survivor was dead. A victory had been won by the Mexicans, but at a terrifying cost. All of the 187 Texans in the Alamo were killed, including such frontier heroes as Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie. But Mexican losses reached the staggering total of 1,544 men killed. Even though Santa Ana had had his victory, the delay at San Antonio cost him dearly, for it gave the Texans time to form an army under the inspired leadership of Sam Houston. Indeed, the Texans who had died at the Alamo had not died in vain. Houston was a six-foot-two-inch giant, and Remember the Alamo became the rallying cry he would use to stir the blood of Texans to stay and fight. Santa Ana was certain to meet more and more resistance as he continued his march through Texas. News of what had happened at the Alamo was now unifying opinion throughout the Texas Republic. One of the survivors of that day was a woman by the name of Mrs. Dickinson. When the Alamo fell, she and her daughter were in the chapel and Santa Anna had spared them. He told them to go ahead of his armies and tell the people of Texas what he had done there. And he went on to say that he was going to do the same thing to them. So tell them, tell the people of Texas, said Santa Anna, tell them to remember the Alamo. This Mrs. Dickinson would do. She would tell how in the last hours men fought like lions, taking with them their share of those who would kill them. Indeed, the people of Texas should remember the Alamo. Sam Houston now had the mighty task of stopping the Mexicans. He began gathering men to stand and fight. For some 37 days after the fall of the Alamo, he marched up and down Texas, gathering men to serve under him. 
Eventually, his army swelled to 783 men. It was on the banks of the San Jacinto River that Houston and his men decided to go for broke, all or nothing. This is where they would make their stand against Santa Ana. On the night before the battle, Santa Ana paraded his men back and forth under the light of bonfires to show his strength. He was hoping to frighten his enemy from the sight of battle, but that was one trick that would not work on these Texans. On the morning of April 22, 1836, Santa Ana's men awaited the attack from the Texans, but it did not come. Houston and his men were making their own preparations. It was at about 2 p.m. when Houston decided to attack. Most of the Mexicans were enjoying a fine old custom, a siesta. It would be while they weren't expecting it that Houston would strike. Moving in three columns, the Texans inched their way toward the Mexican encampment. Closer, closer, closer. It was not until the Texans were less than 200 yards away before they were discovered. Santa Ana was taken completely by surprise. The thinly held barricades protecting his camp were quickly overrun. Shouting, shooting, confusion reigned supreme as the Mexicans found themselves being overwhelmed. Santa Ana had grown overconfident. He had neglected to take the most obvious precautions. His horses were unsaddled. The men were either sleeping or busy cooking. All the fury and revenge of the Texans now rang down on the Mexicans. Few Mexicans stood and fought, most broke and fled, while the Texans shot them like running game. In 15 minutes it was over, and Santa Ana's confident expedition was finished. The Texans lost but two men and had 24 wounded, while the Mexican army had scarcely 40 men escape death, wounds, or capture. Even Santa Ana was taken prisoner. The Battle of San Jacinto gave the courageous people of Texas their independence, and Texas would become known as the Lone Star Republic. What does all this show us in history? It shows, I think, that there is a time in all our lives when we must decide what our life is worth and for what purpose it should be given. What are the things we hold most dear? And by what measure of devotion shall history judge you as it did the people of Texas?